Don't weep for lost dreams. They were never real to begin with. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books that I'm reading to give you the juicy information that is within to extract some themes you might not have thought about and to also listen to some sad but also uplifting tales at the same time. We do have Bitter Orange Tree by Joka Alhathi. So this book was first published in 2016 and is about 215 pages in length. Took me four, four and a half hours to get through in total. It is the fictional recollections told by a young Omani woman about her life, about her family and about her relationships. So this young girl's name is Zuhor and it is told during a time when she is overseas in Britain uh, doing college university and really is reflecting mostly upon her grandmother, whose name is Bint Amir, who is back in Oman or was back in Oman. And there's also some other uh, characters in the book about her father, about her sister, about you know other past family members, about some friends that she has in the UK. But it really focuses on the relationship between her and her grandmother and just her grandmother's kind of life story. And so we see this through these recollections, through these memories of medical adventures of her grandmother trying to fix her ailments, about deaths within the family, about finding and losing love, lost dreams, about pleasure and pain. And there's all sorts of just kind of day-to-day mundanities, but also big events that have happened in their lives. It really alternates between the first and the third person. So when she's talking about herself and, you know, current events, obviously in first person, then third when she's recollecting upon things she could have never seen because she was not alive at the time. There's some poetry mixed in with here. There's also a lot of time jumps and skips between the chapters. So you really get this, I suppose, back and forth type of book. And yeah, there's lots of just random things like the white room, uh, bliss, a leaf falling from the mango tree. The chapters themselves are relatively short. They're usually not more than four or five pages. So let's jump onto the author herself. And Joka, I'm mispronouncing her name entirely because I don't know how to, <laughs> uh, my Arabic is not so great, was born in 1978 and uh, she was born in Oman and also very similar to her character in this book, lived in the UK for at least a time period, I believe, while she was studying at university. So this book was originally written in Arabic. I have the translation here by Marilyn Booth, which was published in 2022, so very recently. And uh, Joka herself is known for her book, Celestial Bodies, uh, which she won um, International Booker Prize. So very much a, a, this is kind of like a another book in that, uh, not sequence, but her, her follow-up, I guess, to that. So um, yeah, that's the the kind of intro to this. And I also read this because a book club that I've joined, I guess, has uh, this was one of their books. So that was how I, I found out about this. Let's jump into the first theme and it is Lost Dreams, Accepting the Bitter Reality of Life. Oh, bitter reality. So let's talk a little bit about Bint Amir's life. And this is her grandmother and uh, she was born you know, sometime in the 20th century, probably towards the start of it. And it's, she had a rough life. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, she was expelled by her father and her new wife when her mother died at a very young age. And so she also at a young age with her brother was kind of kicked out of the home. They had to fend for themselves. 
her brother dies and so then she is really fending for herself doing these crazy treks to get charcoal out in the desert of you know burning things of having to basically be self-reliant from i don't believe their ages are given but a very very early age you know in the teens something like that uh, extreme poverty or extreme toil as well her life is just filled with these kind of movements from one place to the next really just scraping by uh, she gets somewhat taken in by a family and then helps out this family for the rest of her life as the maid as the cook as someone who is very much a part of the family but also not of blood relations per se and we see just as through these recollections these snapshots from her life which gives us a, a kind of complete picture from the very young age to a very old age and the the book actually starts off with her as this very old lady with a kind of broken thumb or th- uh, a fingernail which is all black and um yeah it, it's kind of a mixture of i suppose these recollections which are favorable in her light showing her good qualities and also some of her bad qualities and i suppose just the the realities of what it is like to be old and to be frail and to be somewhat losing your mind or things like this. So we really see a a good description of her life. And she actually has quite a few dreams in her life. And I'm going to jump over to here to page 135 and 136. And this is when she's kind of middle-aged, perhaps getting a little bit towards later in her life. And some uh, these two twins have kind of joined their household for a little bit and they have then left the household to uh, create their own um, you know, piece of land to work on that land and, and things like this. And so, uh, mashallah, you could hear the woman exclaim to one another, Raya and Raya work like men and they don't need anyone. Envy tormented my grandmother, even though she had always been extremely wary of its scorching flames and considered it the worst of all possible sins. When people described the twins as independent, my grandmother muttered to herself, yes, and how proud they have let themselves be. Her dream of having a plot of land and living from it, from her own earnings, had come to an end. Just as earlier, her dream of having one perfectly sound eye had ended too. So we can see she had these dreams throughout her life. And when they started occurring, it's kind of hard to tell because of these switchings back and and forth. But the main ones were she had this eye, uh, which was damaged, I believe, from a very young age. And through the medicinal helpings of the healers and things like this, who who tried to make the eye better, uh, they actually ended up damaging it to the point where she was blind in this eye. Uh, and you know, she had this hope of being able to fix it one day, hence why she goes to the doctor and, and tries to do that. Uh, she had this dream of becoming a mother for herself, of having her own children and of owning land as we've just seen there. And what we find throughout this book is that sometimes dreams have to die. Sometimes you have to lose these things. And it's very sad in a way because she, she really did try to make them happen. She did try to, uh, enact these dreams in real life. So she, you know, went to a doctor far out of her way to, to, have a look at her eye and and to see if if it could be healed uh she worked like a slave basically for large portions of her life to try and earn money to try and be independent but she couldn't do that through uh, the omani i guess system of marriages and things like this 
she also was kind of denied the the chance of becoming a mother of of being married off and so she had to live somewhat as a a slave not a slave she chose to be there but she she didn't have these opportunities that uh, she she kind of had an access to a little glimpse a, a hope of them happening but as we see throughout her life that no they they not end up eventuating that being said is all hope lost not necessarily because she ends up getting these eyeglasses which were you know helped to restore part of her vision and this was a, a somewhat of a substitute she becomes a surrogate mother to Zuhors who was not her actual child um, but she becomes a surrogate mother when the actual mother is going through postpartum depression and you know because she's so cl- closely linked with this household she gets the the opportunity to become somewhat of a mother a second mother to them and even in owning her own land she doesn't physically own it but the garden outside is hers and no one else gets to touch it and tend to the trees and the bushes and the things she's creating because they know okay this is bintamir's no one else is allowed to touch this so she has these ideals these dreams they're somewhat lost but they're i mean if you really want to get to it they weren't real anyway they are unless things are enacted out in in real life they're, they're they are just dreams in your head and and so can you lose something which you never it was never enacted i guess is is a is a question so it's really interesting just seeing her reactions through the book and and how does she take these setbacks these blows to life because she does try and enact these dreams but bitter reality steps in the eye is unable to be healed she cannot she gets to an age where she can't have children and where the social structure doesn't allow her to marry off um and just you know through circumstances through the mechanics of money and of her life she isn't able to own her own land how does she take this well i think this is where the the title comes into this the bitter orange tree which is um, very symbolic i think in this book it's this tree which is it's hardy. It's somewhat imperfect, as it implies by the name, the bitter, <laughs> because these oranges, I, I believe, are bitter. I'm not sure anyone in the book actually eats them straight off the tree. They're more of a, you know, a food that you can use later. Uh, it's somewhat imperfect, but it is unique. It is hers. It is special, and I think we see this in the end. Without her tending to the tree, no matter how much anyone else tries to do it. The, the the tree withers it goes away it doesn't have a purpose and i feel she somewhat finds purpose in her life even though her dreams sure these these things in the clouds that she would love to have happen aren't able to be realized in reality and because reality is is bitter it can be cruel at times um she doesn't lose her purpose for living she keeps going on and she has these qualities of trying to see if she can make them happen but also accepting okay sometimes you know life just deals you a hand of cards and you've just got to make the best that you can do with that and this you know you could dive even further into i guess her psychological makeup and and, okay how does she accept these things how does she uh you know is it a religious based thing is it her what's her view in the world that sort of stuff you know i don't think you need to take it that far you can just see that she is a like a strong woman and she really and i suppose enables herself and doesn't dwell on the past as well she she's very much a looking forward type of person so these lost dreams is accepting the bitter reality of life i think she's a, a great character who mm, 
is uh, symbolic, is emblematic of a, a person who is a, a strong, a strong female stereotype. Or, you know, I would look up to her if I if she was my grandmother. Let's get on to the second theme now, which is lament, uh, passionate expression of grief, and this is going, I suppose, on to the other characters Uhor and what could have been in her life, what what could have been, and the writing style is very much her living in the past because it does have all these recollections. Sure, she has these moments where she is with her friends or where she is contemplating something of her life in England, but there is always just this looking back to what could have been or things that had happened. And so most of the stories are highlights of change in people's lives. It's not her experiencing it in the moment. It's like this happened to other people. This this was a different, this was a moment in time in the past and so she has this lament when um, her grandpa, grandmother, Bintamir, passes away, which once again, it's, it's kind of weird because in the book, she's saying stories as if she's still alive, but we know she has passed away. And so there is this kind of bit of a conflict going on. And it's actually right after the, um, so page 138. So uh, right after the, the little story that we heard just there. And so my grandmother died. The people around me were sympathetic, but no one was prepared to understand me. Sympathy isn't understanding. Mostly, I think it takes an opposite road. Ah, she was over 80 after all. Ah, now she is at rest from the pain. Now you know she has. She no longer has to crawl from her room to the courtyard. She's somewhere much better. Ah, you all took such good care of her. Isn't old age a good enough excuse for dying? Or more important, a good enough excuse for accepting the death of someone we love? That's what people think, I suppose. Just as my grandmother was fortunate enough to receive a lot of sympathy in her life, or at least some, I was fortunate enough to receive it when she died. But neither of us was fortunate enough to have true understanding come our way, and I wasn't allowed to have, or supposed to have, such powerful feelings of regret pulsing through me. Sumaya the dynamo got married, and then she lost her title and became just Sumaya, and then I went away. And then all those hours passed, all those years, which we managed to fling away, conveniently forgetting what had opened our wounds in the first place, forgetting how to diagnose the causes. But we did sometimes remind ourselves that those wounds had not gone away. Because after all, at some point in time, even before the passage of those hours and years, we had already been broken into pieces. So she has this regret and sorrow, which is somewhat understandable. She towards the later part of her life was was somewhat putting off her grandmother. She was young, you know, her grandmother was old and, and failing and dying and was losing her mind a little bit. And she was, you know, wasn't washing her hair. She was dirty. She was rambling to herself. And she she creates this buildup, I suppose, of, of this lament, of this passion, of this expression of uh, of not, of this grief, of not really being able to express it at the moment or she she's always living in the past i suppose and and so when she you know her grandmother passes away while she is overseas she she she's already looking back she's already holding on to things she's and and look this is what happens when you when someone passes away that you love it is traumatic it is you do go through this period and i suppose the question that i ask is like what's next for her because she you can tell from the book she's very sensitive and empathetic everything in the book is her trying to understand what other people are going through whether it be her friends and her sisters 
kind of boyfriend thing who she shouldn't marry, but she marries secretly and she's trying to understand the two of them. And this guy's somewhat mysterious and, you know, she's always just putting herself into other people and, and into their shoes. And I really wonder, you know, does she have the tenacity that, that her grandmother has of being able to deal with heartbreak of loneliness of lost dreams would she be able to hand handle all of these things because she seems to live in the past a lot and that i don't think that's great for you know if you lose a dream and you have to accept the reality of life i'm not sure it's a great thing to be dealing and dwelling in the past of thinking it, it could have been this it could have been that we somewhat see that with her sister which is referenced here sumaya the dynamo who was this this girl who was full of energy, full of life. She was always doing things and she had this ideal of being married, of, you know, my life is going to be perfect when I get married. I'm going to have this loving husband everything's great. And she marries this guy and it turns out he's rather abusive and doesn't love her for who she is. And, you know, she she somewhat becomes disillusioned. Her husband dies partly due to her fault for for not calling out when he was drowning and she becomes mute the rest of her life. And, you know, once again, this could be that, uh, a showcasing of people who aren't able to move on from their dreams. They are stuck in this past or they, they, they can't accept what has happened to them. And I, I'd somewhat, to be honest, like Zuhor, it's between, she's got two examples, her sister who wasn't able to, her grandmother who was, and, you know, where is she? She's in this like middle zone where she hasn't had a lost dream yet, uh, hasn't had a love, had a heartbreak or whatever it is that she really cares about. We we don't know because she doesn't really focus upon herself much in the book. And um, I, yeah, I, it's it's interesting to think which which of these two paths she herself personally will um, will fall down. So, now we have it, lost dreams and, and lamenting and living in the past of um, of grief and expression. Let's go on to my own personal observations and takeaways. One thing I did like about this was the relatable faults. It's very easy in books like this to have these recollections of the past and build up these characters as these, you know, idols, these magnificent people who can't be touched, who were, um, especially if they passed away, even if they had bad things about them they were they were like bad things that showcased how good they were that sort of deal um what i liked about this was it was really relatable the the grandmother bintamia for example her faults were you know sometimes she was just envious and jealous as we as we read in that passage and that's okay you know that was just who she was as a person and it's not a showcasing of how she overcame these these jealousy of or this envy it was just no here you know here's something she did wrong and there it is. And so I think it's easy to become impersonal with with this sort of style, but with herself going to therapy of the envy of the petty rage of her friends, all of them we see like, okay, these are these are really just people. That's what I liked about this book. You, these people were just people. They were they were not built up to be someone special or um, which is hard because when you're talking about these emotions, about these deep connections, about family, about relationships, I think a book like this, it can stray too far into being, um, yeah, I suppose just this creation of of 
people who are untouchable, who were, if you, especially if you're looking back, they were these amazing people. Whereas this one's like, no, I understand these people. Um, some parts of the book onto something I kind of disliked about it. Some parts were hard to decipher. So especially right at the front here on page 12, uh, we've got this explanation here, which uh, was talking just about, Mm. Yeah, it was just an intro. So, everything happened in the in the course of the First World War. Shipping was at a standstill in the Gulf, and goods were hard to come by. The price of a sack of rice shot up to a hundred kirsch. Each kirsch, the coin, the old heavy silver Maria Theresa's thalers that circulated in Oman back then. A bag of dried dates cost thirty. A woman's head shawl couldn't be had for less than two entire kirsch. Drought stuck. Famine. Um, yeah, there was just that one sentence itself right at the start. I had to reread that like four times trying to make sense of it. You kind of can, but it's it's just a very unnatural style. And this happens a couple of times throughout the book where it's a sentence which doesn't flow that well. And, and I can't tell if it was written intentionally like this or if this is just translating from Arabic into English. The sentence structures just don't allow for as nice a smooth flow or something is is gone wrong there even the descriptions of other people i wouldn't go so far to say they're over the top but they are extravagant especially when she's talking about imran and his kind of cold beauty his uh his stoic type of principles it's very very descriptive and sometimes it's maybe yeah it's it's just a bit much bit much so uh that was one thing i i kind of was a little bit iffy about the book. So, in summary, uh, it, I came into this really blank because it is definitely not the standard thing that I read. And honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. There's a lot of cultural insights to this about Oman, about the type of culture that they have there, of relationships between people, what is and isn't acceptable. Um, and I really liked Bintamir as a person, as a as this grandmother. I thought she was... Um, a character that could definitely be looked up to as a as a strong female. And um, it's definitely outside of my normal range. The style would get old if I read this type of recollections of jumping back to the past uh, all the time. Uh, but I enjoyed it more than something like The Death of Artemio Cruz by Carlos Fuentes, which I've read on this um, channel before. Uh, which was just a bit too much and it was a bit too kind of incomprehensible, even though it dealt with a lot of the same things, themes of, you know, an, an elderly man dying or an elderly grandmother of someone losing their mind of kind of lost dreams. So I, I definitely enjoyed this book more than I would say that one. Who would I recommend this more? Uh, recommend this for probably young expats, for example, people who are missing home, uh, who are studying overseas, they might get something from this book of, of you know just relating to the the kind of just what it's like to remember things from the past of not being there when a loved one dies and things like this uh or going someone going through a complicated loss because it's important to see you know not everyone is this amazing person they do have faults and flaws and so seeing that and acknowledging that at the same time i think could be helpful and honestly yeah just if you if you're someone struggling and living a lot in the past it might be a 
uh, a showcasing of why this perhaps isn't helpful. So overall, Bitter Orange Tree by Joka Al-Hathi, I'm giving a 7 out of 10 to. Pretty solid book. Um, yeah, would would recommend for sure. And that is it for today, my Mimortalites. Thank you for joining me to the end of this audio. What are your thoughts on Bitter Orange Tree, on Joka Al-Hathi, on Aman, on Lost Dreams, on Passion and Grief? Oh, so many things to talk about. I would love to hear your thoughts on these. The best way to do that is by sending in a Boostergram, which is a message you can send within your actual podcasting app. If you've got a decent one, the, a lot of the legacy apps don't have all of the new features of stuff that is really cool coming out. I, for example, put chapter art and images and transcripts uh, so you can search more easily within the app that you're in. Um, all of these which are beneficial to you. And you can also send me a message directly within the app, which comes straight to me. Don't need to go outside of it to any of the links, which I do have below in the show notes. So if, if you want to reach out via Discord or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. But I would just say uh, all of these things, you can help support the show at the same time by sending in a, a payment of money, um, which is very, very much appreciated. And I read those out at the moment and the book recaps at the end of the month. But I'm going to switch that up because I'm probably going to start doing these live. So can thank you week by week. So yeah, just... Um, your support helps to keep this channel going to help this show continue. I do have to play for the hosting of things of upkeep of the cameras. And I put a lot of time into this. So I really do appreciate if you could support back in that manner of that voluntary, you know, payment manner directly to me. And then also sharing the show with someone who would uh, appreciate it and giving me book recommendations. Those are the main ways that you can help support me out. So with all of that being said, I really hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Ciao for now. Kyron out.